0: Hi there. Welcome to the JJC podcast experience. I am Penal Bikuta and today we will discuss police brutality as a global issue and as a social issue in South Africa with a look into the nature, history and causes of police brutality in South Africa and how bad it has been in the past couple of years. Stay tuned for more. The JJC podcast experience in partnership with the red radio. Now, before going into the issue of police brutality, we firstly need to understand that within a career field, such as policing and law enforcement, violence and force is inevitable. In one way or another, Law enforcement officials and police officers are bound to display force and violence. And honestly, that's how us as a community are used used to getting protected. We can't always expect them to be non-violent when their jobs require them to deal with situations of violence and crime. And even though law enforcement officers and police officers are to avoid having to use force we can't avoid the fact that they'll eventually have to use force in order to carry out their work and force used by an officer to enforce the law isn't unlawful now if the use of force by an officer is inevitable what makes police brutality different like what's the difference what makes police brutality police brutality well Let's look at its definition, firstly. If you had to look up what police brutality is, the first definition that would pop up would read something along the lines of police brutality being the use of excessive, unjustified force, typically of a physical nature, but also including verbal abuse and physical intimidation, I mean, psychological intimidation, by an officer while carrying out law enforcement duties. Another definition could be that police brutality or police violence is a civil rights violation where law enforcement officers exercise undue or excessive force against the subject. Now, excessive force that a police officer or law enforcement officer could use includes physical assault, verbal abuse, prisoner and inmate abuse, the use of discriminatory acts, false arrest and imprisonment threats of violence sexual abuse rape or assault mental injury property damage death and the list goes on and on and on now even though force is inevitable and police officers have some capacity to use it in order to carry out their work one can agree that all of the uses of force above seem highly unlikely for anyone to need to use, like ever. And so, therefore, we see that police brutality is the abuse of the capacity to use force. It is an unnecessary use of force, violence, and, ass- and it's, its assault that really isn't needed in order to enforce law. By implication, one might say that police brutality is generally deliberate, but when we look at actions which amounts to criminally negligent or careless uses of force, we can also consider those as acts of police brutality. Now that we have an understanding of what police brutality is, let's look at police brutality around the world. Online, on your smartphone or on your favourite podcast app. This is the JJC Podcast Experience. Now, throughout the year, we've heard about some pretty gruesome cases of police brutality around the world. Like it's it's been happening everywhere. We've heard about the cases of Ahmed Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Rashad Brooks, George Floyd, and many, many more African Americans who died due to police brutality in America. At some point in time on social media, we were hearing about police brutality in Zimbabwe, stories of how the police were inflicting violence upon civilians who were peacefully protesting against um against certain ills within the country during lockdown. We've even been hearing about police brutality here in South Africa regarding the deaths of Collins Kosa, Alma Robin Mutsumi. Sibosiso Amos, Petrus Meagles, and many, many others, and the most recent case of Nathaniel Julius. And even a case regarding Cape Town law enforcement officers evicting a naked man in Kailisha has popped up as a case of police brutality within the country. Police brutality is everywhere it's in the uk it's in australia it's in venezuela it's in syria it's here it's next door it is everywhere and in one way or another one might even say it's enabled since countries trade equipment such as tear gas and so-called crowd control um, ammunition and um to each other and a lot of countries especially those with high rates of police brutality don't even give proper training to recruits like, they've, like police training is something that the country fails to provide. And so one might really say that police brutality is enabled. There's, there are ways in which, you know, they, they make it happen. Now the issue of police brutality has been here for quite a while, especially in South Africa and has been dealt with in really bad ways. In the past, police brutality was never really perpetrated in front of public view. And so you would never really have witnesses around. And even if you did, those witnesses were members of the police. Now, when you had to go and make an allegation, they would f- they would have to formally go to the police as the police were the only people you could go to to make a claim o- about police brutality. And even... Um, and, um, and when they went to go and make a case or file a case or report to the police, they wouldn't get taken seriously because of the lack of witness reports and evidence. They would have no evidence to back up their claims and generally the officers who did perpetrate the crime would give another account, which would nullify the victim's claims. The officers in question, who did perpetrate the crime would simply say that the victim was resisting arrest and therefore had to be restrained and then the whole entire issue would be swept under the rug even if a different account to the situation wasn't used there would be cases where officers would threaten the victims so that they wouldn't make an allegation or The process of opening up a case would be complicated so much so that the victim simply wouldn't want to open up a case anymore as they wouldn't want to go through all the complicated steps. That's happened before in the past and it's similar to what's happening now. At least now we have systems in place, you know, that kind of differ from what has happened before. Now we have the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, IPID, which are there to deal with cases of police brutality, violence, and criminality. And thankfully, the amount of people that witness these crimes have grown, resulting in more backup to a victim's case. But still, police brutality cases don't seem to be taken so seriously in SA. I mean... It's like, I mean, police brutality, like, the way it's perpetrated, it's quite different to other places in USA, like, um, other places around the world, such as the USA, where police is, where the police brutality is more displayed to the public, if one can say, and can therefore be backed up by witness accounts and the possibility of evidence, such as video footage and, and pictures, can be collected. But, here in south africa we don't have that same thing we don't have that same um type of system or chance to really deal with police brutality the same way i mean let's just look at these two cases with the case of george floyd the way we as the world came to know came to know about his death was through gruesome video footage, which was shared widely, there were various ways and platforms used to show the murder of George Floyd from video footage to the addition of witness accounts, which helped the, which helped Floyd's case. But with a case, for example of Collins Corsa and many other South Africans killed by police, information about it is is revealed. Only through court papers, official statements, or witness accounts. Even with the case of Collins Corsa, video footage was taken by Corsa's neighbors. Yet they were they were allegedly threatened by law enforcement, and the footage was deleted. And that right there, that type of silencing, that type of threatening, that type of, those types of systems put in place to kind of cover up the issue of police brutality is a terrible reality. And that's an issue that we need to discuss here in South Africa. Now. Let's really take a deeper look into how bad police brutality has been in South Africa for the co- past couple of years. We are here to fight for change in our city. We are the Johannesburg Junior Council. Now, one might think that even with those tactics used to silence and enable the issue of police brutality that it's never really been a big issue prior to the lockdown period because the it's only like during through the lockdown period that people feel the police has been more militarized that it's been more enabled to carry out force or to use force but that's nothing but thought. That's not the reality. The, now, the results I'm about to share with you, I won't necessarily say that they're accurate because of such systems in place of silencing victims. And um, we, we can't necessarily like have all the stats accurate because of those systems. But what this... What these statistics that I have do do is that they give an indication of what police brutality in South Africa looks like. Now, what does police brutality in South Africa look like? How does it look and how has it looked for the past couple of years? Well, this is how it looks. It looks like more than 5,500 cases of police criminal offenses are reported every year. Of these numbers, according to the IPID, there are more than 3,500 cases of torture and assault police brutality that are reported. According to the IPID's annual statistics, SAPS officers killed 538 people in the 2017 to 2018 reporting year and 440 people in the 2018-2019 reporting year. These there are stats that also reveal that in the first few weeks of lockdown, complaints of overzealous policing skyrocketed. Complaints increased by 30% during lockdown some statistics say that there were 29,892 reports of police brutality filed since 2014-2015. Others state that a total of 99 people have reported that they have been raped in police custody. Others state that there have been more than 200 deaths per year in police custody over the past five years. There's a variety of statistics on police brutality here in South Africa, but they all say one thing. Police brutality in South Africa is shockingly higher than what we think or what we hear of. And when looking at those stats, we get an indication, a really sad indication, that just 3.9% of all complaints against police brutality over the last 5 years went to a disciplinary with only 1.3% being criminally convicted i do not know about you but when i read that more than 200 people have died at the hands of the police each year here each year here in south africa it, it kind of frightens me. And, more, and the fact that more than 5,000 people have been assaulted is scary. Those numbers are high and have only gotten higher since lockdown began. And yet conviction rates are so low. That's disappointing. It really is. Considering the fact that as a country, we're supposed to be moving away from the oppressive situations of the past such as police brutality. These statistics indicate that South Africa did not only inherit the culture of police brutality as the legacy of the past, but has inherited the acceptance of such criminal behavior by failure to hold the police accountable for their criminal acts of police brutality. Now that we get an indication of how bad police brutality is within our own country. Let's understand the roots of it. The JJC Podcast Experience. Bringing you the content, the stories, and the insights. We aspire to empower the voice of the unheard. Now, one thing that doesn't make sense to me when looking at the history of police brutality in South Africa is why we still have similar tendencies. That existed in the old South Africa. I mean, really, we're we're looking into the history of police brutality in South Africa, and for it to be history makes sense. I mean, during apartheid, police brutality was bad, like really bad, and it was definitely enabled, and some might even say it was encouraged. I mean, you had legislations enacted that strengthened the relationship between the police and the military and after that legislation was passed, the police became heavily armed. You then had an act put in place that allowed the police the extraordinary power to use methods that were beyond conventional police functions in order to subdue unrest and conduct counterinsurgency activities then an amendment was passed for the police to search any person vehicle aircraft or premise without a warrant and all in all police force the police force grew more and more like in apartheid that makes sense during that time where people were being segregated and oppressed having such a police system made sense Because of course, if you're going to successfully enforce something like segregation, followed by forced evictions, land distributions, and inevitably like oppression, you would need a brutal and militarized police force. And South Africa had that. That's our past policing system. It was one born out of a racist and segregated country filled with inequality and oppression. And for such... Uh, for such a state of the country back then, it seemed fitting. But that was our former policing system. Now we're supposed to be a better, more free and more equal version of South Africa, whereby oppression and racism is supposed to have died down. So why do we still see police brutality here? What is the reason for police brutality Post-apartheid. Well, we know that the nature of police brutality around the rest of the world is stemmed in systemic racism that is integrated within the country, while well, within those countries. We know that in places like America, where people of color are the minority, they are easily placed at the wrong end of the system and are subjected to the hardest situations the system can offer. But here in South Africa, people of color are a part of the majority. The police force is made up of 76% black people, with only 11% of white people making up the task force. So, what is good? So why is there police brutality can we really say that the that in south africa police brutality is the result of systemic racism well not entirely we can't say that over here we have police brutality because of systemic racism see south africa with its deep history of racism still isn't completely free from the issues of systemic racism but our subjection to the issue of systemic racism is different to that of the rest of the world even though the racism in the country exists it is in such a way that one might be protected from it if they were on the right end of the class system the class distinction in South Africa is mapped onto the race distinction and is often mistaken for a race distinction. But in terms of police brutality, many of us in the middle class or upper class like South Africa never need to fear our homes being invaded and we will not likely be beaten to death as a rule in front of our relatives. We won't face the same plight of police brutality. As in the middle class, black South Africa never need to fear that we will be subjected to the full force of police brutality here in South Africa, but for the working class, poor South africans, that is something this is that is something that they have to face this is a a reality of violation that they have to deal with in its entirety so The way in which systemic racism is manifested here in SA is in the ways in which Black people remain on the disadvantaged end of inequality and are the face of poverty in South Africa. And that's how far the racism goes in terms of police brutality. Now, now how does this link? How does class and police brutality link together? Well because crime rates are much higher in impoverished areas which in south africa are inhabited by black people the presence of police brutality is much higher Mm -hmm. and therefore um police brutality exists mainly there the police presence is there in order to tackle the crime in the area but with the presence of the police, the presence or the existence of police brutality is heightened. Police brutality in South Africa isn't just a thing of systemic racism and it's mainly a thing of a class system that puts our poor working class in more danger than others. The nature of police brutality in South Africa also stems in a belief that force and violence is the only way to get information from a suspect, or to get the suspect to give up their weapons, their drugs, etc. There is a belief that brutality is the only way to effectively and efficiently solve a case, and that's something we've inherited from the past. Now. With the nature of police brutality in South Africa being the result of a class system and a violent ideology as to how cases should be dealt with, we can now understand what might actually lead to police violence and brutality. Now, there are a few reasons as to why an officer may use unnecessary force or abuse the capacity of force they can use. Reason one could be the fact that police officers are pressured by management to meet projected targets for the retrieval of illegal weapons and drugs, and so generally use force in order to do so. Reason number two would be the fact that police officers turn these investigations into volatile raids by beating, suffocating and strangulating community members to force them to hand in their firearms or drugs or whatever they are holding that is legal and to provide evidence. What makes these raids excessively volatile is that the police intentionally inflicts confusion and disorientation when they forcefully enter homes or other locations. This then leads to community members being brutally beaten to death by police. And the rights of raid victims are violated by the same people that they're supposed to call for rescue in their time of need. huh? A third reason would be that members of the public are not aware of the rules and procedures that guide official raids and -and stop-and-search operations. And generally, their attitude is often uncooperative and provocative, and they then become victims of police brutality, as the police are pressured to achieve targets and thus do not tolerate any resistance. However, regardless of the public's ignorance of police procedures, the manner in which the police respond to the public is the main problem that results in police brutality. In support, research has found that some police officers use improper force in cases where civilians defy police brutality, I mean defy police authority, and this has been the main issue in South Africa. And the final issue, the fourth issue, would be the fact that police officers are inadequately trained. Police training is lacking in two areas, namely interviewing skills and a legal approach to restraining a suspect. So we see that a a major cause of police brutality here in South Africa is the fact that officers are pressured in order to meet targets. That um, in order to they're pressured to alleviate crime, to work so hard in order to to try and intervene in the issues of crime and violence within our societies, that the pressure kind of gets to them and they just turn to using force, because they believe that force is the only way that they're going to meet these targets and, you know, do their work. Also, the fact that the members of the community do not know about how police police procedures are supposed to be done it kind of adds on to the issue of police brutality kind of heightens their possibility of being um abused and assaulted by the police and then lastly the issue of just inadequate training in in the police um service just adds on to police brutality so those are the causes of police brutality in south africa now that we have an understanding of police brutality in South Africa, let's look at why. Why it's an issue because, dude, you can't necessarily say that it's an issue simply because it's an issue. It's more complex than that. There's, there's a much deeper issue as to why it's a problem in South Africa. So stay tuned to carry on listening to that. JJC Podcast experience bringing you the content, the stories and the insights. Now the reason police brutality is such a social issue is because it's because it's obviously one, an infringement of an individual's rights police brutality goes against the constitution and the bill of rights as it infringes on many individuals right to safety and dignity and honestly with the way people are or at least were threatened to keep quiet about these cases can also be seen as an infringement of a person's freedom of speech i mean the fact that they're they're prohibited from speaking about the an issue like this that is affecting their lives their communities their families is an infringement of their freedom of speech so another issue that police brutality causes is that it negatively impacts the relationship between the police and communities the communities that our police force here in south africa are supposed to be protecting the most are those in impoverished communities that are plagued plagued with crime and violence. In order for that to be done successfully, they need to be trusted by community members who play a vital role in how cases are dealt with, as they're the ones who file the reports and act as witnesses. But oh, that's impossible. Trust is needed for cooperation between members of the community and the police, but due to the fact that brutality, that the brutality um, the police inflicts within these communities are so high, the trust is lost. And, the, and it would make sense for the trust to be lost because logically, how are you supposed to trust a perpetrator of crime to help you deal with crime? How are you supposed to turn to your abuser to help you with a case of abuse how are you supposed to turn to to a person you can't trust to help you with an issue that you are dealing with you you generally can't you you just can't now one would now no one absolutely no one would trust a perpetrator to handle other perpetrators and so corrupt Cooperation in these situations doesn't take place and crime continues to plague those communities and in turn, it damages the country. It damages those communities and we get this issue of crime that continues to exist. The country, South Africa, already has a high rate of crime. And the police are supposed to be there to help alleviate it. They're supposed to be there to protect and serve, but that will never happen if they themselves are the perpetrators of crime. So, with all this considered, what could be done in order to stop this issue of police brutality? Well... What could happen is that management could start providing law enforcement officers with explicit instructions on how to meet projected targets without illegal use of force. Police training needs to be improved, especially in the training of officers on how to interview a suspect and the legal approaches to restraining a suspect. Disregarding information extracted through police excessive use of force might also help to alleviate this issue. Like, I know it sounds bizarre for one to say that information obtained by police should be disregarded, but in a sense, if you think about it, it could work. If officers know that the use of violence and brutality may jeopardize their case, then they might refrain from using it from the start and could rely on other legitimate methods of gathering information and evidence. But you see those points are kind of a long shot as those aren't things we can we can't really do because that's all up to management, that's all up to um those in charge of policing in the country to to implement we can't implement that as regular civilians and citizens of the country but here's here are some things we could try to do in order to alleviate this issue that affects us as citizens of South Africa we could raise public awareness on the importance of lodging a complaint We could do this by informing the public about the role and function of the IPID as an oversight body that is responsible for investigating allegations of police brutality. That way, people know who to turn to. Conducting awareness campaigns with community members to educate them on how to lodge a complaint, the necessary documents to provide when lodging a complaint, such as a medical report. if the victim has been severely beaten. And on taking note of the important information of the suspect, which is the police officer that assaulted them, will help people understand how to go about these situations. So basically just educating people on what to do in order to file a report will help tremendously. Now, educating members of the public about... Civil litigation can also help us as civil litigation can be used to ensure that the pain and suffering of community members that experience victimization at the hands of the police are catered for financially, as well as to ensure that their pain and suffering is not ignored or disregarded by the state. Now, just for clarification, unless you didn't know, uh, litigation is basically the conduct of a lawsuit. So that's what it is, just for some clarity. Now, litigations may be effective in in ensuring that police officers are prevented from using excessive force when conducting raids and -and stop-and-search operations, to a person's rights to security are protected, and that they are free from being tortured in any way and not be treated in a cruel, unhumane or degrading way. And three, litigations can be used as a form of compensating victims of police violence for their pain and suffering at the hands of the state. Lastly, one can say we can try and alleviate this issue by speaking up. Speaking up And speaking against crime is the way we bring awareness to it. And it's a way we uproot it from our communities. And so if we really want to alleviate crime, we need to speak up against the crimes perpetrated by those hired to help us fight it. Remember, as inevitable as it is for the police to use force to enforce law, they are in no way allowed to murder and endanger the lives of others. The police are here to protect and serve, not to play executioner or judge. And so with that, we really do need to ensure that that does happen. We're the public, we're the community members, we're the ones that, that they should be protecting. And so we need to demand that. We need to demand that we're protected. We need to demand that those communities that are so vulnerable to police brutality are getting protected or are getting some type of justice we have the power to do that as the public and so we should use that power in order to speak out against this issue we need to remember that if we really, really do want to be free, we need to go ahead and break all those shackles that are preventing us from being free. If we want to be free from the issue of police brutality, we need to break those, sh- those shackles. If we want to be free from the issue of crime in this country, we need to speak up against crime Perpetrated by police officers and law enforcement officers, now, with that said, I hope this really jogged your brain it It gave you something to think about, and I really hope this this session, this show, this podcast, whatever you want to consider it as, does encourage you to speak out against this issue it 's a real issue it 's a real social issue that is taking the lives of so many people around the world. And it is up to us to to alleviate that issue. It's up to us to do something about it. So with that said, I hope you have a good day. Enjoy the rest of whatever you're doing. And remember, it's your job to help. Thanks. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Johannesburg Junior Council in partnership with Red Radio.